So welcome back to Leaders of Consulting. Today we're here with Scott Scantlin, who is a professional speaker, author, consultant, sales trainer, and business coach with over two decades of experience in direct sales and leadership. Um, like I say, he's got a wealth of experience, having successfully built an international team with over 6,000 independent associates across North America and Canada. So Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. Yeah, Jonathan, thanks for having me. Excited to be here with you today. Uh, excited to talk to your audience and just share some of the you know things I've picked up over the years and, and see if we can benefit the audience today with, with uh, some of what we have to share with my book and, and other things. So, Absolutely. So there's, yeah, there's definitely a, a lot to dive into. I thought we could uh, start off with something we were just briefly talking about earlier, which was... I mentioned a conversation I recently had with someone who is struggling to keep up with technological change. So they usually did their work in person. They would run workshops, but they were finding it a little bit difficult to keep up with uh, the new, you know, virtual whiteboarding, all these different tools, which is quite relevant to a book you wrote called The Relevance Gap. So can you tell us a little bit about what approaches you, you, you advocate for when it comes to staying relevant? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel their pain. And uh, that's what happened to me. Uh, yeah. I, you know, about, you know, seven, eight years ago, maybe six years ago, the change in technology really just started to hit the market in a huge way. Technology just started changing everything. And the way we used to do things, you know, whether, you know, we used to call people on the phone, they'd answer the phone, right? you'd schedule an appointment, go meet with somebody at a yeah. coffee shop, all that kind of stuff. Well, that all changed. You know, people quit answering their phones. Uh, people, you know, started screening, you know, seven layers of screening between text and email and every other way to reach out and do that. And there I was leading an organization of over 6,000 associates, my, my team, my, my group, and they were all having the same problem. I was having the same problem. And there we were declining sales, you know, stuff falling 25, 30% and having to be faced with the situation where you have to make adaptation and you have to change. And I think the muscle that uh, you know I wanted to work on then was how do I adapt to this? How do I absorb technology? And then how do I allow for myself not to allow the gap to grow so big that I fall so far behind that I become irrelevant, which I think is what ultimately each and every one of us are faced with. And that could be, you know, anything from, you know, I'm in, in the peer-to-peer, -peer, you know, B2B sales and marketing space, which is critical for us, but you know, then being able to train that to an entire organization, deliver the a system, and get people on board with that, and get them moving in the right direction. And that's why I wrote the book, The Relevance Gap. It's what it's all about is really the distance between where you are in relation to the speed of the world changing around you. And the gap's always there. It's never not there. It's always there. Um, you just don't want to let the gap get too big. You know, you just want to. The matter of fact, the gap should actually push you and drive you. But I think for a lot of people, especially with the technology they were overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. Yeah. And so you feel like you're so far behind, you could never, you know, get back and get back on course. Um, there's you know, no way. And it's like, looks like I had like 10, 15, 20 things I got to go learn, you know, how to do. It's like going to learn a you know, second language. You're like, I got to learn a second language to stand in my field and my market and my business. No, not true. It's really about, and you probably noticed this, Jonathan, maybe four or five, when you get into it, maybe four or five, six things that you got to figure out. And as you figure out one, the second one topples faster. And before you know it, you're caught up. Before you know it, your gap's small, but it's still driving you and you're equipped and ready. And maybe even, you know, exhilarated in a way, your mind's kind of getting out of the box and you're doing things you've never done before, but you're still 
You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? We're still operating with the same fundamentals. We're just doing it in different modalities. And I think getting the anxiety of that out of the way is really, you know, kind of what my book is all about, helping them make that adaptation and make that shift into uh, into a new world. Yeah. And so if, if I could give a, a personal example, like I, I'm someone who considers themselves often at the at the cutting edge of technology and what's going on. But one area where I feel like I've completely kind of missed the train on, and I'm not even sure I really want to hop on it, is is crypto or Web3 and decentralized and all that stuff. And even though I know it's important, it feels like I wouldn't really know where to start, A. Um, and B, it would just take so much time to get my head around. Oh. It's so cool. <laughs> I, I got, let me jump in on that. <laughs> yeah. I love crypto. I started yeah. really uh, studying it at the end of uh, 2020, right? About middle, matter of fact, I was working out in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, listening to, you know, to YouTube and these guys come on, you know, that, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the names of them right now, but they come on, they're talking about crypto. I start listening to them all the time. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm buying $500 worth of uh, XRP. You know, the next thing you know, I'm opening up an exchange account. Next thing you know, I'm getting into the process, but I'm listening to it. I'm studying it. I'm beginning to understand that, you know, look, here's what you need to know. It's the future. It's going to happen. All the youth is highly interested. All the top, you know, programmers uh, in the market right now are leaving high tech and moving over to crypto companies. I don't know if you know that or not. So it's it's mm. going to happen. So it's like, it's, it's just like you said, John, it's like, I don't know if I can learn it, but it's all free on YouTube. You could learn it all. But you just got to apply a little bit of time to it and begin to understand it. And before you know it, you'll kind of figure out what's what and you know where you need to be and stuff like that. People ask me questions about it all the time. They want advice. And I can't give financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. But what I do direct them back to is, hey, everything in the world, imagine everything in the world being at your fingertips. Can you imagine? It's all right here on a phone. You can go to YouTube, learn anything, master anything. It makes me think back. One time I had this, my car locked up. You know, my, my charger, it locked up the, the, the shifter lock. I couldn't move it. Went and jumped on YouTube, found out what was going on, actually did the work myself, replaced the little piece that was locking up that thing and fixed it by watching a YouTube video. Now, if I can do that watching a YouTube video, I can learn about crypto. I can learn about any other thing I need to yeah. master in terms of my business. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty incredible just to think like how far we've come in terms of just being able to access any kind of information and just about every single minute problem that you have is a google search away it's one of those things that you think you know it should be it really should be taught in school like how to google things properly how to google things really well i love that and you're right i think it's amazing that everything we need to know or things that we need to learn we can go access at our fingertips and go apply you know, whether that's personal development, whether that's technology, whether that's sales and marketing, whether that's top, you know, uh, consultants in the market, right? I mean, imagine is in the consulting world, you know, having your expertise on YouTube and having a YouTube channel, you know, I think, which is another adaptation. I know I've been working on it myself personally uh, over the last couple of years, developing a YouTube channel. And I'm not really even that great at it yet, but I got started you know, I got it going. I'm working at it. I'm learning a lot of things I don't want to do that need to be done inside of there. I and mean, of course you can always staff your weaknesses. Right. Um, but to be successful in anything and to stay relevant, you got to get started. 
And so figuring out what that is. And I think whether that's, you know, again, you know, you don't wake up 10 years from now and, and like, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, I watched uh, crypto go from 600 uh, billion to $2 trillion in less than six months, you know? So I get that. Yeah. That's a clue. It's like, oh, I need to know about that or web three. I need to know about that or uh, non-fungible tokens. I need to know about that. That's a whole thing. Matter of fact, Walmart's developing a non-fungible token right now, Walmart, you know? So the challenge, I think, Jonathan, is that we don't allow ourselves to fall behind so far that we become irrelevant. We have to stay mindful of the changes and adaptations and then block some time, invest a little bit of block time into you know, that, you know, your, your muscle called adaptation and kind of get a feel for where you need to be going and then do the work, you know, and it'll, it'll all take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah. And going, so going back to that um, situation that you described where uh, you know, you're managing that team of, you know, 6,000 associates and all of a sudden you found that you were falling behind, you, were, you weren't hitting your targets and so on. Can you tell us a bit more about how you or what what you did to turn that situation around and what, what it really took? Yeah. So the, the first thing that we needed to do was we needed to get people back into a culture because the culture before was you know, for us anyways, was meeting at locations, having events, things of that nature. And that was still going on, but it was falling off. People were falling away from those modalities. And it was becoming challenging to get people trained, to get them, you know, get them and not only train, but also get them into production. And so one of the things that we had been experimenting with, and this is way before, you know, Zoom had really come on to the scene is we've been using Zoom, which we're on right now, Right. But we've been using Zoom. I've been using Zoom for probably six years, maybe five years before uh, COVID hit. You know, so I knew about it. I was using it. I was actually watching another organization that was using it in a very powerful way, organizing, collaborating, and driving leadership and driving production. And so that was our first step: was you know utilizing a different modality of meeting, right? An online system of meeting. And so we started driving that. The other thing that we needed to do was get people into, you know, active, you know, work. And, you know, one of the things and one of the books I'm, I'm going to bring up here in just a few minutes is because you asked me about a few books was The Four Disciplines of Execution by Covey. I don't know if you've ever read it before. An amazing book, um, but really a way for me to, you know, effectively track what we call base lead measures and high impact lead measures, which are the activities that needed to be conducted with new modalities that we needed to learn uh, to be efficient. And so we started figuring out what some of those modalities were. And then we designed some lead measures, what we call base lead measures, which is, you know, uh, you know, attempts, contacts, exposures, and engagements, right? The thing that creates an actual prospect that's a qualified buyer that may buy from you or might become a raving fan or become some type of a partnership or whatever it might be. But we need to figure mm -hmm. out what that was. And then we also needed to figure out what the high impact lead measure was going to be. You know, high impact lead measure before, you know, three years ago or four years ago or so was, you know, location, event, hotel, stuff like that, right? That's where we, all that took place. Then all of a sudden, you know, in, in 2020, March of 2020, all that changed, but it's already changing. People were falling away and becoming automated is what was happening. And so automation was becoming a challenge, you know, for us. 
But automation was also the thing I needed to learn and how to work and how to apply that, but bring them back into, you know, so that's what we studied. We started studying what those base lead measures were, what the high impact lead measure was going to be. And then we started driving that with the organization and with the team, you know, and that could have been social media, instant messaging, right? So many different platforms, phone calls, still outbound phone calls in cold markets like B2B, where, you know, everybody feels like it's a cold market, but really it's, it's not a cold market because we're calling on a a very specific individual, right? Like mm-hmm. a human resource director and benefit sales, for example, someone with great influence, a person has the same characteristics as, you know, again, uh, the other HR directors that we're calling on. So they're all the same. They have a job. They're appointed to do a specific thing. And so we're calling on them, but we need to be able to reach out to them and then meet with them because, you know, for example, they don't, you know, COVID, for example, you couldn't come into an office and meet with somebody. You had to meet with them on Zoom. You had to meet with them online. You had to get the call. You had to win the appointment. You had to make the presentation on Zoom. You had to follow up, follow up, follow up. And then, of course, win the enrollment. And then the enrollment wouldn't even necessarily be in person. Might be online, full electronic enrollment platform. That all changed. We used to go into locations, do presentations, walk out with apps in hand, You know, explain to the customer how to use the service. And now that's all automated. So, you know, so that's what I'm saying, I think, is that automation really kind of changed the game. And we had to position ourselves on that. And then we had to figure out through the four disciplines of execution, base lead measures and high impact lead measures, what those things were so we could drive that in our marketing. And we made all the adaptations. We made all the changes. And our company even, it was crazy because I watched the company, I watched Legal Shield, for example, do the same thing. I got to participate in that entire shift over the last two years as a network vice president over 10 states, working with 16 other network vice presidents in a collaborative move to make all of that happen with the company as they were introducing new tools and systems as well and changing with the times, you know, moving from just a, a, a card that they got in the mail and a phone call to an actual app that's on their phone, that that's how people use the services now, right? So all of those shifts, all of those changes, and uh, those are the types of things I was faced with. We made those changes. We made the adaptations. We survived. We're growing, and uh, and again, we're we're building bigger companies that way. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious. You mentioned that transition from what was mostly done in person, that whole sales process, to one that was more virtual. Do you find that, given the choice between the two, doing things in person rather than virtual, do you find a preference for one over the other? Or do you like, I'm, I'm curious, or is it context dependent? Yeah, no, I think so. I enjoy meeting in person more, but my preference because time and speed would be particularly in the B2B space, for example, is going to be, is going to be virtual, you know, virtual is faster, at least for the, for the, the initial meetings, right? We might need to get into a meeting where we're all in one place, but here's the problem. The problem is we're not all in one place anymore. Matter of fact, uh, a lot of companies are, are working, to, you know, from remote work, right? So work from home. That's the big challenge. And so I might need to meet with, you know, six different decision makers or you know, four different decision makers that are part of, you know, a team that's going to make a decision on whether they're going to bring a benefit in or not, or whether they're going to offer, you know, take us on as consulting or whatever that might be. And those four people are never in the same place. And because the world and the modalities have changed and people have become accustomed to those things, 
then I'm probably going to be better off booking virtual meetings initially and then booking uh, physical meetings when I can. I'd say I enjoy physical meetings better, but virtual is smarter and it's the way of the world. And so I'm, I'm leaning more towards virtual meetings. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I have a friend who uh, works for Bain and he's very adamant that the whole virtual work environment is, is not going to continue and that everything's going to go back to being in person. And he talks about, you know, how it's, it's so hard to do a lot of the consulting work virtually, basically, because a lot of the, a lot of the intricacies of consulting comes from those conversations in the, uh, you know, during the coffee breaks or, you know, a lot of those informal situations that it just in completely near impossible to replicate in a virtual setting. So it's interesting, like how, how people have one preference for one over the other. And I think, I just think it's going to be a hybrid. I think there's going to be yeah. virtual is going to be maybe initial meetings. And when, you know, people can't collaborate, you know, they need to collaborate on zoom and, and multiple function zoom, which is great. But on the other hand, you know, yes, do I want to get out to a local function, a local event, you know, have that, that, that small talk between coffee breaks and stuff like that, friendships, you know, commonalities, you know, maybe you have a favorite football team and you both love the same team and stuff like that. So all of that, the, those little intricacies, the, I think those matter. And so I don't disagree with your friend, but I do believe that it's not just going to go back to the way it was. That's, that's not going to happen. I mean, that's why you know, 4 million people walked off their jobs in the great, you know, resignation last month because they don't want to go back to employment the way it was before they got the opportunity to stay home and get a sense of what it would be like and how much more effective they might be working from their home space for, versus working from an office space, right? So that's, I think there's going to be a little bit of both. That's what I think, but I'm going yeah. to lean towards what's going to be most effective initially but then if I can get those relationship builds and those opportunities, I want to build that out too. I think you're going to need a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Great. So um, if we uh, just switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about some of the you know consulting work that you're doing, can you tell me more about you know what is kind of a typical client you work with or what are the kinds of projects you work on and, uh, and what kind of problems do you help solve for those clients of yours? Yeah. So for, for me, really my specialty is going to be in the, in the peer to peer space, right. And where the, where the direct seller is, is marketing peer to peer. Uh, mm-hmm. And then also in the B2B space, you know, I've operated in both of those spaces for a long time. That's my specialty. That's my, my strong area. You know, my book goes into way more things than that. You know, we can talk about emotional intelligence, reprogramming, biohacking. I mean, I get into some pretty in-depth adaptations, if you will, right? As we move into 21st century, because I'm very much involved in personal development. And I believe that organizations need to take personal development on. But when it comes to, you know, an ideal client for me, I'm, I'm really looking for peer-to-peer. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking for B2B space organizations. That's where I'm going to be able to be the most effective, um, you know, in, in helping with them. Now, the problems that I see are the same problems that we're talking about right now. Is just opinions. You know, we, we go into an organization, it's a sales and marketing organization, it's a peer-to-peer organization. It, maybe they're selling real estate, maybe they're selling insurance, maybe they're selling cars, maybe, whatever it might be. Or a B2B space where you got, you know, guys that have been doing uh, B2B sales and big ticket items for 20, 30 years, you know, they have a certain way they do things and they don't mm. believe that these other modalities are going to, are going to work. Matter of fact, they, they push away and they, 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 you're almost like the enemy walking into the camp, 
right? You know, because you're coming in. But but those are the those are the areas that I see, and and the big problem that I see uh, a lot of them uh, have is they don't have some systems or some tools that are going to be really efficient for them, and then they don't necessarily even know you know how to operate you know, in that space. And there's some guys in there that do, and they're eager and they want to learn and they want to expand and they want to do these types of things. So if you can feed them the tools and give them the, the, the skills and the techniques. And, you know, one of the kind of unique things that, that I try to introduce um, is another company that I work with called Rapid Funnel. And so Rapid Funnel is a peer-to-peer authentic marketing app. It's an app on your phone. It's a CRM, right? It's a capture and where that where the where the 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 rep, the executive, the sales professional, maybe even somebody that isn't even in the sales department for your company has this app on their phone. And with that app, are, are they can add contacts, they can share information by sending a video or you know, sending out a survey or uh, putting them into a campaign. For example, if they know they're going to be put into a campaign to receive some information via email over a period of time. And that can all happen within seconds, within, and, and it can be managed, and it can be delivered on. So, so often, a lot of the companies that we do work with, you know, their CRM system, you know, they may have a big CRM system like Salesforce, which honestly is somewhat confusing, I think, for a lot of people. It's kind of hard to, to manage, you know. Um, there's different ones out there, like Less Annoying CRM, which is a great one, by the way. It's only $10 a month. and <laughs> Great name. Super easy to use. It's the best one out there, but simple, right? I'm looking for simple. And the yeah. CRM with Rapid Funnel, the app, all of it right in the palm of your hand, is someone who really doesn't even have a background or experience in sharing information, but knows what the company does, can quickly add somebody into that app, send them a video, send them a survey, send them an invite to an event, you know, follow up with them, and have a system of follow-up and conversation going on that makes everybody in the company now an active participant in delivering on what this company or what this product offers to the marketplace. And it's something everybody can do. You know, it's kind of like, Jonathan, like we like to call, I think, matter of fact, in Atomic Habits by James Clear, he says, you what you want to do in your marketing is you want to lean towards, you want to, you want to cater to the lazy side, right? You understand? So what I mean by that is that's why McDonald's is like strategically positioned between your house and your employer, right? Because like, <laughs> like you're on your way to work and I'm just going to swing in for my coffee my egg McMuffin and my hash brown, right? Instead of driving four more blocks over to the nutrition club where I can get something healthy, right? Yeah. But it's just catered to the lazy side. But here's the deal. If everybody can do it, they'll do it. And so I think that you need simplicity, less annoying CRM, simplicity, uh, rapid funnel, an app in your hand. It's a marketing app. It's got everything all right in the palm of your hand, simple, easy. And so we drive that and, and we drive that with companies. And we also drive that with consultants, trainers, and coaches or coaches, trainers, and consultants, what we call a CTC. And this might be like, I'll just give you an example. We got one organization. This guy is a notary and he's a notary business. He got a YouTube channel. He's got like a hundred thousand followers and he's got subscribers. He got a, 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 a Kajabi, you know, training program that's all put together. Well, he's recently brought on the rapid funnel app. And now that's being marketed to, you know, his, 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 his you know, his group. And they're all jumping on board with this app. And now they've got a peer-to-peer marketing app system, not just a great training through Kajabi. So now they're just taking it to new levels. And so 
you know, that's what we do. I think that tool is fantastic. I think that's something that's a game changer. And uh, it's been a game changer for, for us. It's been a game changer for Legal Shield. It's been a game changer. We just built that app out for another organization I've been working with uh, that's global. And they're going to they're gonna take some, they're going to take it, take it global, which is pretty cool. So, yeah. It's interesting, you know, as you, when you started speaking about that, you know, and you mentioned those situations that you, you come into where you might have a sales team that's been doing this big ticket sales process and they've, it's something they've honed and, and you come in and they're kind of like, oh, why do we have to change things? You know, everything's been working, but you know, obviously they need to change, you know, times change, you know, people need to adapt with that. And so I'm curious about, you know, that how you overcome that resistance, but I think you kind of, you kind of explain some of that, you know, you, you make sure that the solution you provide is, is really simple. It makes people's lives easier and it just helps them achieve better outcomes. Are there, is there anything else that you would add to that? I, I would say that, you know, obviously not everybody in the group is going to be on board with it right away, but when they see it working, then they'll, they'll they will come around and not to alienate in any mm-hmm. way. We don't try to do that. You know, I'm a, another book I'm a big fan of is virtual selling by Jeb Blunt. Don't know if you've Mm. ever read it before or not. Phenomenal. Jeb gets into all the details of how to deliver a technology approach. You know, this modalities have changed and how you go into organizations and, you know, that that you've got the guy there that's been doing it 20 years and he doesn't want you to be there. He doesn't want to change the system, right? He's he's adverse Mm. to it. But the problem is that's holding your whole company back. Because it's like, you know, it's the the law of the bad apple, you know, John Maxwell talks about in the, you know, 20 or 17 uh, indisputable laws of, of teamwork. You know, that one person can be holding back the entire organization, but we don't want to come in and alienate. We just want to come in and deliver simple and easy and here's how it works and here's what we're going to do. And then we just, you know, really hone in on a two or three guys that are hungry, that want it, and they start driving it. And then all of a sudden their numbers outpace the other guy who's working really three, four, five times as hard because he's still running the same game, mm. trying to do the same old thing and not in, in just to get the same result he's been getting and spinning his wheels versus now this guy over here and this guy over here and this guy over here through, you know, social proof. So we call it right. So we present social proof moving faster and faster and faster. And then everybody kind of gets on board. And so I think yeah. it's just a matter of creating examples without alienating at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So in a sense, kind of creating internal buy-in and, and advocates. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Great. So Scott, as, as we sort of uh, come to wrapping up here, can you tell us more about, um, you know, where people can find your book and where they can find out more about yourself and, and all the great work that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, first I got a website, you know, scottscantlin.com, right? Simple and easy to get to. You can you go Google me, Scott Scantlin. I'm sure that the, the web address will probably just pop right up. Uh, so you can access me there. Obviously I'm on all the platforms, you know, Instagram, you know, Facebook, you know, um, on and on, right. All the different ones, LinkedIn, everything, right. Twitter, all of it. Right. So I'm on all those uh, areas. You can reach me there. You want to buy my book. I'm on Amazon. Okay. It's $12 and 95 cents. It's, you know, about 179 pages. Uh, it's a great read. I mean, it's, it, so you just go to Amazon and, and, you know, Google Scott Scan or, or or search Scott Scantlin or search for the relevance gap. It'll it'll pop right up. Okay, so twelve ninety five. It's pretty simple and easy to get. This is the book right here. And uh, and and you know, when you go to my website, um, if somebody wanted to connect with me, they can message me through my website. They can actually schedule through Calendly. You know, a, an appointment with me to meet with them for thirty minutes. I do free thirty minute you know initial appointments. 
uh, to me and talk a little bit more about, you know, maybe what their needs are. If somebody's looking for personal coaching or they have a company, uh, you know, we're open uh, for all of that. So that's how you contact me. That's how you get a hold of me and and uh, look forward to kind of hearing from some of those folks. Excellent. Scott, thank you so much for sharing that with us and uh, and for your time today. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Appreciate you having me. It was great talk and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you again sometime in the near future. Absolutely. Have you ever wondered what it takes to launch a podcast for your own consultancy? If so, you'll definitely want to tune into our sister show, Podcasting for Consultants, which shares our whole playbook on exactly how to launch revenue generating podcast. In order to tune in, all you have to do is search for Podcasting for Consultants on your favorite podcast player. Alternatively, you can also find it on our website at podcastingforconsultants.net.